Hello. Hello. We are re-recording our episode that got Shh. lost from my, um, yeah, broken phone. dying. Yeah. <laughs> um, this should have come out last week, but yes. Yeah, we're really sorry. It's been a shit start to the new year. Yeah. So hopefully onwards and upwards. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, we're re-recording this. We will try to put in all the gasps and exclamations just like before. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but annoyingly, in many senses, it's a multi-parter, so like we kind of couldn't just decide to record last Ooh. week's episode in like a few months exactly. when we've forgotten. It's like no, it's it's got like a, it's got to follow like follow yeah. one episode, <laughs> yeah, <or two. laughs> exactly. So um, yeah, yes. Um, just finished recording our Patreon catch-up episode, so yeah. you know, go check that out. Join Patreon if you haven't, and you want to hear chat from us. Exactly, um, it is obviously go to Patreon and look for the Weird Sisters podcast. That's W Y R D for weird. Yep, weird with a Y. <laughs> um, but anyway, we're going to just jump into this episode. Yep, because um, yeah, you need to go shopping. I need yep. to walk the dogs. Exactly. It's a busy day. Yeah, I've got D&D later. So, (laughs) yeah, cool. Um, So, yeah, today we are... I did this in order for it to be kind of like a wintry episode. Um, And it's very nice. It's very icy here at the moment, so it's quite fitting. It is, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, even though it's not as close to Christmas and the New Year as it was going to be, (laughs) it's... (laughs) It still fits with our weather. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're venturing out into the wilds of the world. So this is a wilderness story. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> and we are heading up the snowy, icy peaks of Mount Everest. I just don't get why anyone would want to climb Everest. No. It's a death trap. I know. It, nope. I mean, literally. Yeah, yeah. it is. <laughs> that's why they have that section that's called, like, the death zone. Don't yeah. And, just... and all the bodies that are just preserved up there. Yep. And nope. Yeah. It is literally, like, from reading... Oh, yeah, I'm going to say, actually. We're joining the climber Brian Dickinson in this week's episode. Because, yeah, in Brian Dickinson's Possibly book, very, very, very distantly related to Charles Dickinson. You mean Charles Dickens? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. Um, so maybe not. <laughs> unless he's his son. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, in his book... Because I didn't realise that. I thought it was just that it was really easy to die in the death zone. Oh, no, apparently it's so high, you your body is literally dying. Oh, yeah. So that's why you can only spend that much time up there, because you are actually dying whilst you're in that zone. It's just horrific. Yeah. So, yeah, not something we're ever going to want to do. It's right not on my bucket list. No. I did not put it on your wedding bucket list. No. Yeah. <laughs> we had, for anyone interested, anyone getting married wants some, some uh, pointers? We wanted to do, like, a different wedding guest book in our wedding, because everyone does the whole, like, congratulations thing anyway. So we wanted, we made a bucket list that we wanted everyone to put, like, suggestions on it for us to do. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to pick, like, one a year or something. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I was going to say, this is ha- this happened in our catch-up episode as well. I had something to say, and then it just went just out of my brain. Oh, well. Um... Yeah, no. Um, he's he's yeah. talking about climbing Everest. Yes. So Brian Dickinson. Um, <laughs> this is definitely a two-parter because I find Brian's like whole expedition to Everest fascinating. 
Um, but I don't want to give too much away. Um, that is for episode two. Like, the fact that there's, you know, there's quite a bit of, like, awful stuff that happens in his expedition. But I wanted to... Yeah. But I wanted to kind of, like, focus on the whole thing, not just that event. Yeah. Um, If anyone who regularly listens knows, we do, like, like actually deep diving into it and giving, like, not just a skimming overview. Yeah. We like to do the before, the happening, and the after, if we can. (laughs) So... Um, yeah, in this episode we're going to be looking at Mount Everest itself, and then Brian's life, like, before he decided to attempt summiting Everest, and then his process, uh, planning for that, like, Herculean trip. (laughs) So, yeah. So, Everest as a mountain. Um, obviously it's been there for, like, 50, 60 million years, but the Western world only found out about its existence in 1852. I thought it was a lot longer ago than yeah, that. Yeah, like, West... That, like, kind of everywhere knew about it. Yeah. Um, that's not that long ago. It's no. like 150 years or Yeah, because, like, obviously, obviously the people who lived... seventy now. There yeah. knew about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, if they didn't, they may have been blind. Yes. <laughs> we're not those sorts of people who are like, oh, if the West doesn't know about it, it doesn't matter or it doesn't exist. Um, it but definitely I just, did. Yes. It's not like... A game loading where it has to render when the West walk into it. Exactly, yeah. But I just kind of am surprised that it was that late. Yeah. We kind of actually explored the world in a way. Yeah, there were some places when we were in Costa Rica that it had only been this area... To be fair, I don't, from what the guide was saying, even the natives hadn't found this like little valley. Wow. And it was only sort of discovered and then the settlement and village and everything built there in like the 60s or 70s. Oh my gosh, wow. Yeah, it was bonkers. Yeah, that's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I bet that was so pretty. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, where was I? But yes. 1852, the lovely colonial British, uh, sarcasm there for anyone who doesn't know, uh, were carrying out a survey of India. Um, They were mapping the whole Indian subcontinent. I would not have pictured Mount Everest as being in India, but then we know what my geography is like. Yeah. (laughs) I picture it being somewhere very snowy, and in my head, India's not snowy. Mm. Yes, which is, yeah, how bad our geography is. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're homeschooling. <laughs> well, I mean, have you met people who've gone to school? So I, feel like, I feel like you have a skewed opinion of school. Schooling. We'll move on. Yes. Um, but, yes, uh, where was I on my page? They, yeah, the British were trying to confirm that the Andes were the tallest mountains, which, spoiler, they realised was not the case. (laughs) Um, Everest actually sits in between the border of Nepal and Tibet. Uh, And Tibet is a region in China, which I didn't know that before this case. I thought Tibet was an actual country, so I feel really dumb. But (laughs) isn't Nepal in Italy? That's Naples. They sound too similar. Nepal, Naples. Like, come on. (laughs) Odin. Sorry. Guys, the dogs are fighting over a bone. Or absolutely disgusted with my lack of geography knowledge. Yeah, maybe that as well. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, for God's sake, we knew that it's not Naples. Naples. (laughs) I've been to Naples. um, Because I went to uh, Pompeii. Yeah, Pompeii. Um, yes, which is in Italy. It is, yes. 
Very good pizza there. Really nice pizza. I know that makes me sound like such a tourist, and I was. The, the pizza was delicious. Um, yeah, because my, my head, I was just like, Pompeii, no, it is Italy, it's not Greece. Yeah. We went to this pizza place that's, like, really popular. Yeah. Um, like, the locals go there as well, so, yeah. you know, it's good. Like, we couldn't go the first night, oh. because literally the queue to go in was round the block. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I can't be dealing with no. queuing. Like, when no. we were sat in there, finally, when we did manage to go... I heard this, like, American woman at another yeah. table saying, oh, we came back um, to visit here just so we could come here again. Oh, I was my like, God. Wow. To have that much money. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yes, it was very good pizza, though. Yeah. So it is between Naples. Naples. And... Yes. Um... So, yeah, let's see, as I said, the Nepalese and Tibetan people knew about Everest long before, but, yes, too white British imperialism, that means nothing, as we know. And they were shocked that there were mountains there. <laughs> yes. Um, but, yeah, Nepal, um, Nepal was, no, Everest was known <laughs> to the locals on each side. In Nepal, they named it Sagamatha, yep. which, as far as I could trans... I could find it translates to goddess of the sky. That's cool. Yeah, really cool name. Yeah. And in Tibet, its traditional name is Chumalungma, yeah. which I believe means goddess mother of the world. So I it's a goddess of the sky. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it's a goddess either, either way. way. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yes. And yeah, why do you think the lovely British people decided their name Everest? Everest, like you know, like it was up to them to give it a new name anyway. Ever rest. Because, like, you need a really long rest <laughs> <after> climbing it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or if you die on it, it's your ever rest. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no. Um, it was originally called Peak 15. That's such a shit name. I know. <laughs> so, yes, it was Peak 15 during the survey. Um, they then decided to name the mountain after the Surveyor General, Sir George Everest. Okay, fine. Even though... He didn't even fucking discover that it was the tallest mountain. One of his, like, clerks did. Well, that's just robbing him of any recognition. Yeah. But, um, in, yeah, in the survey, they they could measure stuff with such incredible accuracy, considering it was, like, 1852. That's, yeah. Yeah. They were measuring from, like, miles away. Hmm. Which I don't know how. How it's does that work? Like that, I saw it on Facebook or something. Mm. There was that guy from like Greek times or Roman times or something mm-hmm. like that that got the Earth's circumference. Yeah. Like, and he was correct to like a couple of miles. Jesus. How? Yeah, how do you, how? I couldn't do that no. nowadays. I don't understand. I'd have to Google it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, no. So, yeah. But they were able to measure it um, with such accuracy from miles away that they were only about 27 to 33 feet off about its height. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I know. Um, so it stands at about... And I'm so sorry if you can hear, like, crunching in the background. The dog has decided to sit next to me to chew his bone. Yeah. Um, but at least they're shutting up, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, it, Everest stands at about 29,031.7 feet high. It's quite high. Yeah. I had to, I have no frame of reference. No, I had to look it up because I was like, <laughs> I mean, it's, out, it's high, but yeah. what is that? It's apparently about five and a half miles high. Okay, that's like 
me driving to your house and then back to my house again. Yeah, like I can't, I can't even imagine standing at the base of that and looking up. Or falling off the top. Oh, God. (laughs) I mean, I guess you'd hit some mountain quite quickly. But (laughs) That's what absolutely terrifies me about, like, mountains and climbing Mm. and stuff. It's just like, what do you do if you fall? Yes, exactly. Nope. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, I'm going to move that off the sofa. Gosh. (laughs) Um, But, yes. uh, Five and a half miles high. That's bonkers. Um, And amazingly as well, which... I had, like, no idea about. Sorry, I was pausing there to be like, oh, the dog's going to fucking make a fuss again. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I had no idea about this. Everest is actually still growing. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So according to the Royal Geographical Society, it's increasing in height by as much as four millimetres a year. That's quite... like, like bigger, yeah, it's, it's small, but considering it's a mountain and it's growing by that much a year, yeah, yeah. Um, it's because the Indian continent is actually still colliding with Asia. Oh, from, of course, yeah, yeah so it's still, upwards. yeah, because obviously they collided millions I was of years thinking, ago. Is it just the snow on top's getting a little bit thicker, <laughs> but no, <laughs> no. Okay. Although there have been like debates over do we measure it from the rock height or from the snow build up height I would say the rock height same yeah Yeah. (laughs) um but yes Um, I suppose what do you do if some twat goes up there and like scrapes all the snow off yeah suddenly it shrunk (laughs) 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 um so yeah the collision between India and Asia's continental plates is like still technically ongoing yeah. So Everest, bonkers. yeah, Everest is still being like pushed upwards because India is moving five centimeters a year north. That's a lot. Well. That's yeah. a lot more than four millimeters. I know. Yeah. Like Asia God. is like losing land yeah. space. I guess. Like you wouldn't want a house on the like border because it's like oh great, I'm gonna like be living in India in like That's five like years. Fifty centimeters in ten years. That's actually, that is quite That's a like lot, isn't it? almost two rulers. Yeah. When you put it like that, that well, is a lot. If you did have a garden that bordered it, you would notice that over ten years. Do you say 50 centimetres is nearly two rulers? Yeah, rulers 30 centimetres. So, in my lifetime, it's going to have moved almost six ruler lengths. That's, yeah. That's You've actually crazy. That. Yeah. yeah. How does this work? <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, apparently, it is the force required to keep pushing Everest high, though it is going to like run out eventually, yeah. or like even if that didn't happen, which it will, it would actually start to collapse from the steepness of its peak. Yeah, it's never going to get to space. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. Elon Musk will be sad that he doesn't have an yeah. easy stare. Do you call him Elon? Elon. I was going to say Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> it's E L O N. Elon. Yeah, Elon. 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 <laughs> um, oh, I don't really care if his name's mispronounced. He's a prick anyway. So <laughs> but we're not slandering him. Oh, yeah, shit. Cut that out. Cut that out. <laughs> um, I think you're allowed to have a personal opinion of him, right? Yeah. You yeah. must be allowed yeah. to. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> if you uh, listen to this episode and then there's never another one, you'll know that you're not allowed to. <laughs> um, 
I would be quite impressed though if he, like obviously it would require him or someone close yeah, to, to him listen. to have listened to be like that is twice <laughs> exactly <Yeah. laughs> we'd have made it we suddenly see Elon Musk is a patron <laughs> um, uh, and then yeah. doing the shout out is Elon Musk <laughs> <laughs> but yes um, obviously now people knew that it was the highest peak in the world we know what people are like. It wasn't going to be long before people decided they wanted to climb it. Just because they not get why. Yeah, no, just because it's there. No. <laughs> like, do you want to dive to the deepest trench in the world? Some crazy people probably do. The Mariana Idiots. Trench. Oh. I'm quite scared of large expanses of water. I have that thalassophobia or whatever. Yes. 100%. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Dark water, deep water. Nope, no. Nope, nope, nope. No. <laughs> so, um, it did take until the early 1920s for people to, like, properly start trying to climb it. Really? Yeah, so just over 100 years ago, terrifyingly. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. But, yes, the first few attempts were unsuccessful. Uh, actually, the third attempt in 1924, which was by George Mallory and Andrew Irvine, that ended up with them dying on the mountain. Oh! Yeah. I believe... And people still then wanted to climb it afterwards. I know, yeah. They don't know if they summited or not. Some people think... Does it matter at that point? Well, because uh, well, then they'd be the first people to ever summit it. But they literally don't know that, do they? Because they're dead. No. People, some people think that signs indicate that they got to the top and were then returning when they died, but who knows. I I really don't think it matters. I think, if I'm remembering right, they have found one of their bodies and stuff, and like, they, I think one of them, I don't know, but like, I think one of them at least broke their leg. Oh! Yeah. And the other one haunts Everest, (laughs) trying to... Like carry his friend down. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Forever. If I didn't want to go there already, I don't now. <laughs> um, but oh. yeah, because um, the first successful confirmed summit, obviously, because we don't know if Mallory and Irvine did it, unless you ask his ghost. Yes, true. Yeah. Go up there with a Ouija board <laughs> yes. to the summit of Mount oh Everest, god. and you've got to hope that the spirit contacts you before you run out of that yeah. time frame. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you have to use Ouija boards at night? I don't know. Then would you have to be at the summit at night? Mm. Ooh, that would freak me out. Imagine yeah. the view of the stars; it would not be worth it. No. My thought process. Yeah, imagine this view; it'd be awful. So yeah, the first confirmed summit was 1953. That is not that long ago. Nope. That's 70 years exactly. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. God, it's 2023. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. The first successful confirmed summit was by New Zealand-born Edmund Hillary. <laughs> yeah. Quite funny the surname, considering what they did. <laughs> Hillary. Exactly. It should have been like mountainry. <laughs> Rockery. It's just a small hill. <laughs> yes, Edmund Hillary and his Sherpa guide Tenzing Norgay from Nepal. Uh, they were part of an expedition led by British Colonel John Hunt. And since then. Sorry, I just. always makes me yeah, giggle as a surname. Jeremy Hunt. Um, <laughs> for all our British listeners. Um. Yeah, uh, they, since their summit, there have been over 4,000 summits on Everest. So 4,000 summits in 70 years. 
I'm um, can't no brain's not working for the maths, but yeah. <laughs> a lot. Yes. Why? Would, I yeah. just don't get it. But. Apparently, eight hundred or so people attempt annually. Why? I know that's a lot of people. Like most of them, obviously fail. That's um, like two a day. Yeah, but obviously there's only certain windows. Yeah, there's um a March to May. Oh. And then a shorter October to November weather window. So that's one month. March to May is three, so that's four yeah. months. So, yeah, not that much. No. And then, of course, you've got the actual weather windows within the weather windows. Yeah, that's the thing as well. You have to wait for a... I think it was a 10-day weather window yeah. to be able to summit it, because obviously it takes quite a while to summit as well. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's the only way you can hopefully guarantee it's going to be good if they've got like a whole 10 days of it looking okay. But then okay. we also know what weather forecasters oh, can yeah. be like. Well, yeah, considering in Britain, uh, most of the time, I can be looking at my phone's <laughs> weather and it will be raining on me and it's saying, zero chance of rain. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, apparently there are also like 18 different routes to climb it. I thought there was just like one. I know, you'd have thought like one up. And then you turn around and come down. Right. But yeah, like, some ways, like, obviously they avoid certain hard bits, but then they have their own hard bits, so it's like, what shit do you want to go through? And really? they're all batshit crazy where you're climbing yeah. Everest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're all probably awful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Isn't there, like, bits on it where, like, you have to, like, literally put down a ladder yeah. and climb over they the ladder? they have these, like, extendable ladders that can fit together what? that they have to lay, like, not, they lay them, like, flat over crevasses and you have to, like, walk across them over this gaping it crevasse. It just gives me anxiety just thinking about it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I get proper vertigo though, so. Oh, wait till next episode. Oh, no. <laughs> it's gonna be rough. Like, Even when it's going well, it's rough. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. Oh. But, um, <laughs> yeah. K2, which is a nearby mountain, is it's it? actually considered the hardest mountain to climb in the world, not Everest. So um, why do people have so much kudos for Everest? Because it's the tallest. So it's not the hardest. Like. Or rather, it's the highest mountain. Yeah. But yeah, K2 is the meant to be the hardest. But again, like, people's abilities are different. So, like, it might be harder for one person, but easier for another. I don't know. I don't want to try it out. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but yeah, not to downplay the difficulty and danger of climbing the tallest peak on the planet. Um, also, I'm sorry, but it's got a really shit name compared to Everest. I know, K2. It's yeah. like if we'd left Everest as Peak 15. Peak 15 and K2? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the summit of Everest has hurricane force winds half the time during the bad weather months. Uh, what? Yeah, hurricane force winds. But those are when climbing's not done, at least. <laughs> at least? Yeah. And during those weather months where you can't, climb uh, the wind chill can make the summit temperature equivalent to minus 70 degrees c that is i a can't add cold yeah, i can't even imagine like minus 10 we've <laughs> had minus 10 i know but i can't imagine it <laughs> it's cold but yeah i guess we've had like minus 10 yeah maybe sometimes yeah yeah I yeah. got locked out of my car and my apartment with no coat in minus 10 no. one time in oh manchester my, oh my god i was not happy Ooh. Yeah, a few like a week or two before Christmas, it was like in the it was like minus eight. Yeah, when um, Troy was at work. Yeah, yeah. my middle child predicted that it'd be minus seven or minus five that night, mm-hmm. and was 
proud, but also slightly annoyed when it turned out that it was minus six. Oh, <laughs> bang in the middle. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's very cold. Yeah. Um, even taking into account that summiting is not done in those conditions, the warmest temperatures ever recorded. So this is the warmest it's ever been recorded okay. as is minus sixteen C. Jesus. Yes, that's the warmest you're going to get if you're lucky. Jesus. Yeah, minus 16 degrees C. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, Everest is subject to like avalanches and has the deep crevasses that we said you have to lay ladders over. It doesn't sound fun. Not massively. I don't understand the enjoyment. I guess maybe it's not something people enjoy. It is just for the... Like, when they're doing it, maybe they're not enjoying it. It is just for the achievement. Kind of like how I don't enjoy running but I like the medal at the end <laughs> yep <laughs> um Kami Rita a Sherpa he um I'm calling Sherpas Sherpas through this because that is what they're predominantly called but I did find yeah. a source that said actually Shawa is closer to what they call themselves oh because I've only ever heard it a Sherpa like on Netflix you've got my Sherpa guide and me and yeah I'm, I'm sure the yeah. Sherpa in there called himself a Sherpa as well mm. but he may have dealt with a lot of Westerners, yeah, so therefore... he's just westernised his yeah. own language. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. As opposed to keep on having to explain. Exactly, yeah. So. Um, yeah, Kami Rita has summited 25 times. I mean, surely he should get a medal for that. Yeah, he does hold the world record. He actually um, summited for the 25th time last year. That is bonkers. <laughs> yeah. And really puts everyone else doing it once to shame. I know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if I was him, I'd just be like, when they're like at the top and all proud of their achievement, I'd be like, there's nothing I've done this 26 times. <laughs> yeah. What are you proud of? <laughs> <laughs> Don't shit on other people's achievements. It is a horrible character trait. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, the youngest person... Person to summit Everest. Guess how old they were? Five. <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine? <laughs> In a backpack. Come on. <laughs> You're just going to take your youngest up Everest. Like, you've got that rucksack now. Exactly. Um, I don't know, I'm going to go. You've probably got to be an adult to do it. So, 20? No, 13. How are they allowed up? That's like your your eldest in a year how, summiting Everest. But how are they allowed up? I know. Money, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, his name is Jordan Romero. Why is a parent wouldn't want to okay that? Because it is dangerous. Yeah. His parents did go with him, at least. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, you all die together. <laughs> wow, dark. <laughs> if we go down, we're going down together. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, did I say he's American? I think so. Cool. If I didn't, he's American. Yeah. Um, he completed the climb in 2010, so he's 23, 26 now. Yes. So yeah. Major's Troy. God, yeah. Be like <laughs> Troy being like, oh, I summoned someone did Everest. Like, well, you'll have to ask Troy when he gets home now. What were you doing at 30? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying not to get trampled in hallways at school. Um, but yes, um, he completed the climb in 2010 with his dad, stepmother, and three shepherds. Okay, um, one each. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to kind of skip this bit um, because it didn't turn out to be anything so much. But there is a rescue called Rupee who has... A rescue dog. I mean, okay. needed to say a rescue dog. Like, a rescue what? <laughs> a rescue dog. There was Cat. a rescue dog called Rupee who actually um, trekked with their owner to base camp. 
Aww. Yeah, to raise money for, like, rescues. That's cute. I know. I hope you had a warm jacket. Yeah, see, I got excited because there were headlines that were like, first dog to summit Everest, and it isn't quite... They didn't that. summit they it. They didn't summit oh, it. No. And they aren't necessarily the first dog to get to base camp either, but, oh. like I said, don't shit on other people's achievements. No. It's still awesome. I hope they have little boots as well, because yeah. how cold it is. That's true, yeah. Um... <clears throat> But yeah, uh, and anyway, yeah, like, just because they weren't the first dog to get to base camp, like, things don't have to be a first to matter. No, so, like, exactly. Yeah. But, um, climbing... Sorry, you're not the first man on the moon anymore. <laughs> I know, that means it's not an achievement. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> um, climbing the whole of Mount Everest takes about 60 days on average. What? That's yeah. two months. 60 days. I'd be bored. Yeah. I'd just be like, no. Yeah, Brian Dickinson's trip took him three months. Oh. Yeah. Because it didn't go well. Uh, not exactly, but kind of just overall his whole thing. Just kind of, because obviously you've got to I mean, get back as well. I mean, it went better than he could have done. True. Yeah. <laughs> Look <laughs> on the true. bright side. Spoiler, he does live, because obviously he wrote a book. Yeah. <laughs> Which I did use his book for the majority of my research. Or not exactly the majority of my research, but the majority of my writing up of the case. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it takes about 60 days to summit because of the amount of acclimation time required between... Uh, yeah, because obviously there are like various camps at different heights. So what, you climb a bit weight, climb a bit weight. Well, um, you don't just go to one and then wait there for a few days. And oh. you do to allow your body to get used to the altitude. Yeah. But then you also have to go back down to the what? bottom and then work back up. The mental fuckery yeah. of climbing, making it to the next stage, and then having to go back. I know, yeah. So no. You, yeah, you then have to work back up, and doing it that way it encourages your body to produce more red blood cells, so you get like maybe more oxygen going around your body. Are you like a super athlete by the time you come back down? You must be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you slowly lose that superpower. I know. That's got to be yeah. horrible. You're just like, no. Yep. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it is a huge undertaking. Like, yeah, physically, mentally, financially. Um, the average cost of climbing Everest is in the range of, at least now, about 24,000 to 120,000 pounds. That is either a home deposit or buying a home outright. Yep, exactly. So yeah, it ranges depending on the amount of support that you require. Um, like someone to literally piggyback you up there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, 120, yeah. please. And, like, obviously, aside from the cost of doing it, you've got to have a job or not have a job so that you can have two to three months off work. You've got to have a job that lets you have that time off or not be yeah. working to get that time off. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, two to three months off work sounds nice, but maybe not at the expense of having to climb Everest. I would rather have two to three months off and be on a tropical island. <laughs> like Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Where is, where's all the rum gone? That would be when I'd Why leave. is all the rum gone? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so now on to the guy who attempted to summit in this particular story. So Brian Dickinson, he was born on the 16th of June, 1974. Okay. Uh, he grew up in Rogue River, Oregon. I like the name. Yeah, I put... That's so cool. Literally in my notes, I put, just as an aside, I am envious over some of the really cool names American places have. Yes. Rogue River. Yeah, that just sounds so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so... 
Growing up, summiting Everest was, like, becoming quite popular. He remembers seeing, like, coverage of it. And he was like, oh, I want to do that. No. Like, he saw coverage of several, like, bad disasters as he was growing up. And he actually always found the idea of doing something that dangerous really weird. Okay. He was like, why would you want to take that risk? (laughs) I'm intrigued why he does. Yeah. (laughs) See, because that's the thing. Conflictingly, he still did loads of extreme sports himself. Yeah. Um, he was really into biking and hiking. That's, um, yeah. And obviously hiking in America and places with mountains is a bit different to hiking in England. Oh, that's true. It makes it more dangerous. Yeah. It's just going to be, yeah. Yeah. It's um, not just the local flat wood. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, as a child, um, he would go to a local 60 foot high bridge and jump off into the river. No. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? No. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> would that's ah. like what, like house height? Taller. Taller. Right? Jesus. So like a house has got even if you got like ten foot ceilings, that'd be thirty foot if you had also a ten foot roof. Oh my god. How high was this fucking bridge? Yeah. No Jesus. that would hurt. I've accidentally belly flopped off of the like slide at the mud race I do into the lake and that Ooh, hurt. Ouch. It winded me. Yeah. Oh, so yeah no no um his family was really active as well like they went fishing and camping together oh um he remembered that like once as a teenager he decided to go off by himself on a camping trip to rock climb yeah and he had the really bright idea of like when he was coming back down to use his belt loops as fixtures for like his rappel rope no anyone who has pulled their jeans up by yeah. their belt loops <laughs> knows how fragile those fuckers yeah, are yeah exactly the belt loops all snapped at the same time oh. so Brian slid did he just fall yeah. no he was like still holding onto the rope okay. so he slid <gasps> down the rope without gloves no I've done that mm-hmm. when I at boot camp I climbed to the top of the rope oh and then of course because I do pole and you climb yeah. to the top of the metal pole and you slide down oh. my brain just went and now we slide oh and of no course, as soon as you start you're like no yeah no, what and you can't doing? grab on again because that's going to make it like worse I completely skinned one of my hands pretty Ooh, much oh my god I hate that pe- the pain of like having had your skin like stripped off it is so bad the worst pain it mm-hmm. was just raw flesh and then the yeah. bits that weren't raw flesh had been burnt into leather Ugh. i oh. do wonder sometimes whether part of why i have a phobia of slides is all those bouncy slides we'd go on at fairs as a kid that would always skin your knees and elbows i was never allowed on those weren't it was you? only you that was allowed on them why weren't you because ian got to go on them as well because when brother. we were growing up we didn't have enough money we're not uh, spending money at the fair we'll go to the fair and just look yeah we did get i definitely i think i had the better experience growing up yeah. overall but that still wasn't great yeah <laughs> well yeah if you want to know more go and listen to our patreon exactly but yeah <laughs> i think i do think that's why you and i have a very different view of home education is because i did get it done well and also <laughs> you had a lot there are a lot of girls mm. when you went to yeah, all the home ed the stuff I, there was no one my age no and yeah yeah that is the thing i did have a Social opened up still. world yeah. like it wasn't that I was alone yeah like, so whereas I think, I think when it was me growing up it was very much yeah you saw isolating and yeah. in the house yeah and, you saw like all the negative sides yeah. of it whereas I actually got to see how it 
really Could can be. work. Yeah. Like, but yeah. Um, back to Brian. Yeah, back to Brian. Um, so yes, he slid down. I think I've made a typo in my notes, but I think he said he slid down like 20 feet. Oh. 15 or 20 feet. Yeah. Uh, with no gloves. <laughs> so like, but his family were like just used to it. He like came back with like bloody hands and they were just like, ugh, whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> <it'll> <laughs> yeah. Um, also this bit like got me. Like he credits climbing up a mountain opposite his grandmother's house to sprinkle her ashes there for oh. her. Yeah, she asked for her ashes to be sprinkled there. Uh, is what kindled his love for mountaineering. That's really like, sweet. Yeah, that's lovely. Um, from there, he went on later to embark on a three-day expedition to climb Mount Rainier okay. before continuing to climb numerous other peaks too. Hmm. I, I'm trying not to laugh through that, but just because talking about him sprinkling his grandmother's ashes, you know, like how your brain sometimes like makes you think of something that yeah. maybe some people wouldn't find funny, but it just strikes you as yeah. funny. <laughs> Is I was like, that's such a lovely image. And then into my head just popped my image of, like, when our grandmother's ashes were being poured and into the And it was so windy and, and they just yeah. flew everywhere. And I just remember our uncle, like, bashing the jar against <laughs> the ground to get them out. <laughs> and our great aunt, our granny's sister, just laughed. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it's, like, two very different experiences, yeah. I feel, there. Um, <laughs> and I can just imagine our grandmother, like, just being like... Oh, goodness sake can't even do that properly <laughs> yeah come on kevin yeah <laughs> so yeah um but yes he went on to do lots more mountain climbing after that brian's life was adventure and challenge filled in like other ways too um he joined the u.s navy oh wow yeah he served for six years uh training as a special ops air rescue swimmer that is a very specific job, it I feel. It is, yes. <laughs> now, I'm just going off what Brian says in his book. So if I am wrong, please do not come at me, Molly, or any other listeners in the military. Um, <laughs> but Brian says that this is considered one of the most gruelling and difficult schools in the American military. I thought it was meant to be the Navy SEALs and stuff. And mm. Yes. Is it us who have the Navy SEALs or America? We have the Marines. So and it must be America Navy has Navy SEALs. SEALs. Yeah. Or do we both have both? I don't know. <laughs> Molly. <laughs> but yeah, I thought one of those were meant to be the toughest. Yeah. So I think there was... And again, don't at me, I don't know. But I think that there's like crossovers in that training. Yeah. They sort of got to do some, of, some know, similar I training. I imagine that... Both are very elitist, and so yeah. you're both going to be very proud of your regiment oh, yeah. unit and Definitely. training and everything. And yeah. neither one is going to be a walk in the park. No, like he did say, so like they are literally trying to get you to quit. Yeah, through all that training because it's only the people who still won't that they want in. Yeah. Like, yeah, it sounded awful. Like he said, because um, I'll get to it. They do uh, SERE or SEER training. I'm not sure how you say it. Search, evade, rescue everyone. Uh, <laughs> I'm not actually sure, sure what it stands for. I should have looked Probably that up. Probably not that. Yeah. <laughs> it uh, equipped them to deal with land survival and interrogation and prisoner of war tactics. Oh, I mean, you need to train people for that, but no thank yeah. you. Yeah, he said they literally, like, they had to go survive in the wilderness for yeah. a few days. And then they got 
kidnapped and like taken to basically just a prisoner of war camp and tortured and tortured and yeah. interrogated yeah he's like literally said they tortured them yeah well you have to because <laughs> yeah. if you can't stand up to torture when it's your own people doing it mm. you can quit out yeah how are you going to stand up to torture from the enemy well yeah true but it's horrific yeah but and this is why people so many people come out of the military and they are fucked up i would love to do the sas are you tough enough <laughs> I could see you doing that yeah. though. But I feel like you'd be one of those people who like pisses them off. Yeah, but also possibly like you actually injure yourself badly because you won't give up. They would have to drag me out of yeah. it because I would not give up. Can you imagine coming home and people going like, Oh, how did you do? I gave up. <laughs> I know that is not an option oh god <laughs> even if they were like we've got to medically withdraw you'd be like you've got to bloody catch me and drag me out first yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> oh you and I are so different in so many ways um which actually did I tell you that um I can't remember if it was Rachel my friend Rachel who was like she said that you and I look really similar in her opinion what which I was like How? I don't think we do no. except for my driving license picture that you were like that looks like a picture of you yeah that's yeah. true but yeah Rachel thought we looked really yeah. similar and I was like I don't I see don't any see similarities no, nice. no. <laughs> but, yeah. but um anyway back to the episode um <laughs> he was also trained in helicopter anti-submarine squadron training okay yeah so like as the anti-submarine stuff doesn't sound fun. That's where helicopters shoot the submarines. I think so, yeah. Sounds like it, He yeah. did say in an interview I watched that, um, actually on one of his, uh, what do you call them, like, missions? Yeah. Excursions. <laughs> Day trips. Journeys. <laughs> um, he actually did come across a Russian submarine in waters it shouldn't have been in. Like, I can't imagine that. What like, do you do? I know, yeah. <laughs> like, shit. I guess um, you've got higher ups that you go, oh, I've seen this, and they'll be like, shoot it out of the water, or just leave it be. Yeah, exactly. Like, we'll contact Russia and question them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. A lot of his training was very, like, focused on staying calm under pressure, remaining in control in a dangerous situation. I could do with that. Yeah, same. <laughs> they did a lot of rescue training where, like, the person would be panicking and trying to drag them under the water. I could do that. Yeah. I'd I feel like in that, role. that yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, he remembers, I think, being, like, smashed in the face by oh. them just, like, flailing and, yeah. Um, and they also had this simulation aircraft that would simulate, like, a crash into water. <gasps> no. Where you'd be submerged in a pool no. and then you'd have to get unbuckled and no. get out. Yeah. I would die. Mm-hmm. Like, I would literally die. Yeah. So, like, I obviously used to date somebody in the English Navy, British Navy, whatever. Yes. Um, and I know they had to do that as well. They, no. It was called, like, Havoc, and you'd no. be in, like, a submarine, uh, in a submarine, in a, in a helicopter, because he was, like, a helicopter technician. Um, and it would, yeah, just, like, tip sideways into Ooh, this, like, water. No, I could yeah. not deal with that. No. They'd also, like, routinely, like make them do uh, gas masks gas mask tests where they'd actually lock them in a room and gas them and they had to like get the mask on or or perhaps it was just him that they gassed because if only yeah <laughs> he was a you dick yeah <laughs> maybe I could like have paid some of his superiors when we split up to be like could you just like you know stab some holes in his gas mask do a few much gas mask checks <laughs> yeah um yeah <laughs> um Brian did two tours during the Gulf War Okay. And, like, I'm not here to get into, like, the political side of that war. 
I've heard things about a lot of the involvement of the military being because of like oil etc yeah I like the Middle East one yeah I don't know enough to judge that's not what this episode is about but at the very least I don't think that individuals in the military are at fault for what they're made to do no like if you join up I think yeah you get some right dicks that join up mm. and that but on the whole I reckon that if you join up for something like that you are doing it with the best intentions yeah exactly you are then in the position that you have to follow orders yeah that's the thing like you can't join some well you can't join like the military Mm. and then only like yeah you can't pick and choose you can't pick and choose and you can't let your own personal politics come into it no like that's not what you're signing up for no and it is sort of what they train you to then not do yeah um yeah i do believe most people join up and act while serving because they truly want to make a positive difference i don't condemn any individual people in military sort of um, no, not unless services. obviously they've done something yeah, horrific and are tried exactly. and found guilty. And that's them being a yeah. shitty person. Like, yeah. I yeah have my own personal feelings about sort of militaries generally, but I don't believe the people who join up are in yeah. the wrong. I think they are good people, usually. Do you know Costa Rica doesn't have a military? Does it not? No, it wow. doesn't have a military or army or anything. I might move there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. Wow. I know. I kind of didn't, in some senses, realise that places didn't. Yeah. I just kind of thought everywhere did. Yeah. So, huh. if they have issues with, I think it's Nicaragua, mm-hmm. they... Um, like go to the international court and stuff and oh, it's wow. sorted out via that see why don't we just do that why isn't that everywhere <laughs> so yeah <laughs> but yeah that is cool huh but yes i the impression i get from brian dickinson is that he is wholly one of those person. people who yeah has yeah. done it for the right reasons and i think when uh what would you call it when like what would you call the military as a whole organizations like yeah. that are acting for good yeah they can do a lot of good yeah so yeah um brian yeah brian just seems like a really genuinely just really good person yeah um brian met his wife joanna whilst he was serving in the military oh yeah and they went on to have two children together uh, they had a boy named jordan and a girl named emily oh uh brian and joanna moved to i think it's pronounced snoquami in okay. washington <laughs> um i think they moved in 2001 for graduate school uh-huh and this put Mount Rainier, which is 14,411 foot high. Still quite high. Yeah. And the other Cascade Mountains in, like, as Brian puts it, he, their backyard <laughs> is what he calls it. So that allowed him to, like, really pursue that climbing hobby. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Like, I would love to have some stuff like that around. Yeah. Like, I feel so lucky that we are in the countryside anyway. Yeah. We do have beautiful places to walk and stuff. But I'd love... Yeah, like, something where it's like, oh, you could do something, like, a bit challenging now yeah. and again when you feel like it. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Joanna is apparently terrified of height. <laughs> She's, like, the opposite of Brian being an, an adrenaline junkie. Like, she, <laughs> But she's a real nature lover and just Aww. super supportive of Brian's love of climbing. That's lovely. Yeah. Like, I think that's... Like, people don't have to always have the same 
interests no. to be compatible. Like, it's obviously, you need to have some. Yeah. But I don't think you have to do everything together. In fact, I think it's better to not do everything together. Yeah, still be your own people. Yeah. And that is the thing. It's just like you want a partner who just supports you. That's lovely and that she did. Yeah. And doesn't say, oh, I don't like that. So you can't or shouldn't. I don't want to do that with you. So you have to stop doing it all together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, like, is just, no. you, they, it just seems like they both just genuinely love the person each other is and yeah. they want to not see, trying to change them into yeah, who they want they want to see that person grow yeah. and want to like give them the encouragement they can so yeah um she and Brian like yeah they've always been in complete agreement that it's never worth taking reckless risk just to climb um but is Climbing Everest, not a reckless. Well, (laughs) Brian would say that, like, when you're doing it right and you're assessing everything and preparing properly, yeah, then it's not reckless. Okay, because I suppose as long as you're always prepared to back down, yeah, that's the thing. Brian said he always assesses his climbing trips, like start to finish. He's assessing all the way through as well. Yeah, Uh, any qualms will lead to him turning back yeah like he said he he's never gonna get so set on the summit that it blinds him which yeah. some people do so that does seem sensible because you're like yeah as soon as things get dicey yeah. you're not putting yourself in danger to keep pushing through. no that's thing he uh said in interviews um it's always a good day to live so i love that sentiment yeah like, like yeah that's the thing his ethos is and like I'm paraphrasing here or like summing up my impressions a bit from reading about him and listening to him but his ethos just kind of is that the mountain will be there the next day week month whatever yeah. but if you risk your life too much and die then you've lost that chance anyway yeah exactly and that family to him are always more important than the pride of achieving Aww. that yeah such a good person. i know that's the thing like that makes me just choke up yeah. i'm like oh that's yeah. that's being a good person that is it's saying like i want these things but, but family still yeah like first. i've he's got his priorities right yeah that it's like yeah and it's like that is that important to him it's not like oh well i want to climb mountains but my wife said i've got to put the family first like no to him yeah they are exactly. the most important he can be up there. there wanting to keep going and just think it's not worth the yeah. risk of not going home yeah like yeah that's just i think that's so lovely Aww. and that's the thing it feels like they both just really fit yeah i guess it's really is a bit easier for her to support him knowing that he has that priority as well. And it'd probably be easier for him as well, knowing that she's there and holding the fort at home. Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, so I really do agree with his kind of just view on things. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so how did he end up deciding to climb Everest? Yeah. I don't know if I use a lot of rhetorical questions in my (laughs) writing. Um, Well, it came about when he was having a chat with his friend Adam in 2007. Okay. Uh, their wives and kids were like really friendly as well. So, yeah, so they were just enjoying a family meetup. That's lovely. Yeah. Um, and Adam, they were just chatting, and Adam just like dropped the idea of doing the seven summits into the conversation. Okay. Telling Brian like they should do it. <laughs> <laughs> so the seven summits, I'd never heard of it. 
but they're basically climbing the seven highest peaks on each of the seven continents. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. So Asia has Everest. Yeah. South America on the Chile slash Argentina border has Aconcagua. Okay. <laughs> North America has Denali. Yeah. Africa has Kilimanjaro. Europe in Russia has Elbrus. And okay. yeah, and Antarctica has Vincent Massif. And Oceania, which is technically a geographical region. Yeah. Uh, it like inc- Australia. Yeah, yeah, it includes Australia rather than strictly being a continent by the definition. But most places I looked car- categorised it as the seventh continent because yeah. it actually then encompasses the other. <laughs> like New Zealand. Yeah. yeah. The other like islands and stuff. Otherwise, New Zealand is just a nomad. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Oceania has cast dense pyramid. Okay. So yeah. Um, obviously that is a pretty major challenge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were just having like a few drinks and it was just like... Some of the best ideas come about. Like yeah. That. And Brian was pretty enamoured straight away by that idea. <laughs> Apparently his first response was just done. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I took a few seconds and then just said, done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Adam had to pull out before they oh, even no. summited. Yeah, it was before they even summited the first mountain. Oh. Um, he had a motorbike accident, <gasps> oh yeah, gosh. and it left him recovering from an operation where they fused several of his vertebrae because oh. he had broken his back in more than one place. He yeah. sounds lucky to still be alive. Definitely, yeah. God. But obviously that was going to be such a long recovery. Yeah. And then after you've recovered, it's like regaining that physical fitness to be able to carry a heavy bag at high altitudes. And... Yeah, you've got to be like beyond just normal levels of fitness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, they decided that was just going to take too long. So Brian continued planning alone. Which I love that he didn't give up. Yeah, but that kind of sticking just, Yeah, but that just seems like that's the person he is. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, over the next few years, he climbed Denali, Kilimanjaro, and Elbrus. Okay. Um, funnily enough, he's actually never managed to summit Denali. Oh my god, that would drive me mad. <laughs> yeah, if he's that was... been up there three times. Oh. I know, but always had to turn back before the summit. That, yeah. that shows that he does stick to that as well, though. He does live by that. Yeah, place. definitely. Like, like, yeah, I can't imagine how frustrating I yeah. would find that. But, yeah, like, that's thing. He's right. Like, it would still not be it. there. Yeah. And he kind of said in an interview, I heard him say, like, some things you just have to accept. Maybe that's never going to happen. Yeah. Because um, everyone has something that they're just never going to quite manage to do. Yeah. But he doesn't, like... I don't know, I just got the opinion that he didn't see it as, like, a failure. Yeah. It was like, well, I've climbed it. I suppose it's a sensible way but... to look at it as well. Like, you think people never, like, die and at the point where they're just like, well, that's it, my life's completely done. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're always going to yeah. have something that mm. you're planning towards. And I guess I kind of just get the sense, like... I don't know, he's just very, like, content in yeah. himself. Yeah. So it's like, in a way, he doesn't need that. Yeah. To feel good. <laughs> like, which, I wonder whether that is why a lot of people do push for stuff recklessly. Yeah. Is because they kind of need that external... Validation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, next on his list was Everest after those three. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think that's a sensible way of doing it. Because Everest's the tallest, right? Yeah. So you'd think, you're doing some, mm-hmm. then you're doing Everest, 
And then after you've done Everest, you got some smaller ones to do. Yeah, because yeah, I did look to see if there was like a specific order that you got, you do them in. Yeah, but yeah, there were like various suggestions online. So because like, I wouldn't want to finish on the no, because then it's so afterwards you're going to be so flat. Yeah, just like okay, well now what? But also like I think once you've done that one, if you do it like towards the start or the middle, mm. anything after that is just like I can do this because I've already yeah, done the tallest. It's a really good boost. Yeah, just like I can get through this. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brian was intent on achieving peak physical fitness. Sensible. Um, yep. So to prepare well for climbing at such elevation, because this puts like different pressures on your body. Yeah. Um, he added 60 pounds of weight to the rucksack he was hiking in already. That's quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, in his book, he doesn't actually say the beginning weight. But <laughs> even if it was only just a rucksack, which I'm assuming it can't have been. No. But 60 pounds is still a fair, fair weight amount. to yeah. hike in. Um and he was ensuring that he hiked a minimum of four times every oh week. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, and again, such a good person. He'd hike at 5am each day. He'd be on the trail by 5am. Yeah. So that he was done before work. Which, oh. I mean, yeah, you got to think he's juggling being a parent, having a partner, yeah. working. And you think he's doing that and taking it out of, I've got to get up early and fit it in, as opposed to taking it out of time spent with family. Yeah, and putting more on his wife yeah. to have to do to make up for it. It's yeah. like, this is my thing, I've got to bear the brunt of that. Yeah, yeah. so that's really so... Good. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and also, I put this in for you, because I thought you'd probably be thinking, like, eh, four times a week is still basically half the week. I mean, yes. <laughs> He's got three days to doss around. <laughs> um, the, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> On the other days of the week, Brian would either trail run eight miles or go what? wild, yeah, or go wild swimming. What? Yeah. No. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, the physical side of the training um, also included putting like a really good rigorous dietary plan in place. Yeah. Um, he'd usually have porridge for breakfast ravioli or something similar for lunch Yummy. Yeah. and then a balanced protein or carb dish like steak or pasta plus like loads of snacks on days he was training but he was training every day you just said yeah i was confused by that because he specifically <laughs> said loads of snacks on days i was training for everest and i was like but yeah wasn't that like that every sounds like day. it's seven days a week yeah <laughs> so yeah He's running or doing the like hiking with the backpack four days a week and then running or wild swimming on the other days yeah i don't Is know <laughs> yeah um but yeah these physical aspects he said they were nothing compared to the difficulty of mentally preparing Aww. he said he was actually dreading the long separation from joanna and yeah, the kids that's gotta be so hard yeah <laughs> um he'd never been away from all three of them for longer than three weeks and apparently that trip had been so hard. Yeah. Like, just three weeks compared to three months. Yeah. yeah. Like, because, I mean, you went on your honeymoon for two, two weeks. And you were, like, missing the kids yeah, so I mean, much. Really, like, especially the middle one. who eldest one, I think, was, like, doing her own thing. And yeah. And to get on with it. Youngest one. Really missed struggled. Missed us, but sort of you were able to distract him and stuff but mm. the middle one really really found it the yeah toughest, she struggled a lot yeah yeah but i think she was just needing loads of reassurance all the time yeah. and she so. was so clingy when we got back <clears throat> bless her but yeah. but yeah um 
a minimum of two months separation was just like gut wrenching. So yeah, I just thought it was so wholesome and just awesome that Brian, in his book, he says that the big difference that helped with the Everest trip was that he and Joanna acted as a complete team the entire time. That is. Yeah, so they just supported each other and she was so encouraging of him that that helped him go through with it. Um... Luckily, That's what you should be for your partner. You exactly. shouldn't be holding them back. Yeah, and build them up and yeah. help them to achieve the things they want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, luckily, also, Brian worked for a tech company who were, like, really supportive of having that time off. Yeah. So, And also, like, they equipped him with, like, really fancy technology, like, routers, 3G, tablets, because it was, like, publicity. I suppose, like, really good marketing, yeah. Like, if it works up Everest, it'll work for you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You can, like, imagine the adverts. Yeah. So, yeah, they were, like, really happy to do that, and it meant that he had really good technology yeah. whilst he was there to keep in touch with, like, family. Yeah. So, which was nice. Um, it's weird thinking of like 3G being like really new. I know, we have 5G. Like, five, yeah. I don't really understand what 5G is, but <laughs> <laughs> um, to afford the expedition, Brian was like really sensible. Yeah. Um, he worked with a local company in Seattle who had a presence in Nepal. Okay. So that like made it cheaper. Yeah. And he also made deals with several companies and charities to put their logos on his climbing clothes. Yeah. Uh, his own experience also meant he didn't need mm. as much support as some people might need. Yeah. So again, cutting that cost there. But yeah, it did still eat into his and Joanna's savings. Yeah. Um, quite a bit. <clears throat> um, it was really hard, though, dealing with the impact of his absence to go and do something so dangerous on the kids. I bet. Yeah. They were aged, well, Emily was seven. And Jordan was four. Oh, yeah. It's a really difficult age for it, especially the seven-year-old. Yeah, that's the thing. They didn't necessarily understand the risks of such a huge climb at first. No. But other people did their best to make sure they knew. What? people are shit. Why would you do that? I know. It's like it's not going to be hard enough for them already. Yeah. In Starbucks, when they'd gone out as a family... Uh, Brian was like recognised by somebody yeah and apparently they just bluntly walked up to him and asked what are you thinking you're going to die up there that's really fucking sensible yeah how the hell he didn't just like launch it and also like verbally yeah and also it's like what's it to you anyway just back off exactly like let me live my life yeah but like Brian thinks anyway that the kids were just like too distracted to hear I hope so yeah but I yeah just one insensitive cow yeah um as the start of the trip neared, Brian and Joanna worked really hard to include the kids. That's lovely. Yeah, they, like, yeah. sat down and shared the trip's itinerary with them and just talked, like, they made sure they were just talking openly yeah. about the trip all the time. Yeah, it's not a taboo. It's not something to worry about. Yeah, and it's not something they're putting off of, like, oh, we'll only trouble them with it when we have to. Yeah. It's like, no, build your kids' resilience by actually, like, preparing yeah. them. Don't just spring stuff on them because, oh, but... I don't know, I don't like it when people think that it's no. better for kids to not know about something until the time. Yeah. Like, no, that's not going to help them. Um, Brian spent one-on-one time with each of them as well. Oh, that's really important. Yeah, because he wanted to talk to them as well in, like, age-appropriate ways about the trip. Yeah. Um, Jordan, the youngest, he said, seemed, like, quite unfazed. He was, like, asking, what animals would you see? Yeah, which I think is just adorable. Yeah. Obviously, he had to kind of be like, well, not really any animals live on Everest. Yeah. Like, not up in the higher altitudes. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, 
And for Emily, she was seven, as you said, she's sort of more capable of some awareness. Yeah. She could actually remember the three weeks that Brian had oh, been away yes. before. Yeah, I think that had been when he did his Denali trip. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was just stronger emotions for her, like knowing kind of what it was like before. Um, yeah. And yeah, she also was at school where classmates were lovely enough to repeat things their parents were saying at home. So you have to be so careful what you say around your children. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, one day apparently she got home from school like, and was just really upset. Um, oh, I don't know why it's making me upset. <laughs> um, I think it's just thinking of a kid being like yeah, sad. That upset. And, yeah, that <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. The dog just tried to walk up to me. L tried to like stop him so he didn't interrupt, and he, he, just, he just like walked into my thumb and poked himself in the eye. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, that was just a little like emotional break there for a second for me. Um, yeah, she finally did kind of say what yeah. was wrong and said, "Kayla's dad said you were going to die climbing." For God's sake! Like, what no, the fuck? Why Kayla's would you dad? say that? Yeah. And why would you worry your daughter that her friend's dad is going to die? Exactly, yeah, just, that's going to upset your kid as well, probably. Yeah. But yeah, um, so that was lovely. Um, Emily, apparently she was quite, she was more of like a quiet, reserved kid when it came to her feelings. Mm. So, but Brian, like said, they were really focused on that, meaning that there must be a lot going on under the surface. So like, they really made sure to not treat it as oh she's not talking about it she's, she's not feeling it yeah. yeah um and he had to reassure himself though a lot that once they were older the time apart wouldn't be too huge a memory Aww. in the grand scheme of yeah. things which that would probably be harder for him yeah in the grand scheme of things than them exactly yeah um, for Brian and Joanna like they kind of they, they they're very uh, Christian yeah um so they also like use their faith a lot to kind of help them at difficult times yeah. i think a lot of people who are religious do use yeah. their faith as that like bolster um they turn to god for like strength through the separation um and their church also like prayed for them so that's, they kind of have like, that that's what you believe in that's really sweet that everyone sort of yeah you've got that community and they're supporting definitely you. yeah you're gonna feel that strength from yeah. having that shared sort of thing yeah um, the way Brian really tried to ensure his absence would still be positive is like, oh, I love this. I think it's just like admirable. He seems like such a compassionate and caring like husband and dad. Yeah. Um, he planned two holidays for them um, whilst he was away that were like surprises. Yeah, that's um, lovely. As well as fifty-eight other gifts, notes, etc. That he hid through the house. So, if he's away for, like, a minimum of two months, yeah. he's, like, giving them something each day to, like, help them get yeah. through it. So, it's not just his absence. Exactly. Like, they can still kind feel of like still him there. there and yeah. They've got something to focus on themselves. Exactly. So, yeah, he um, actually, like, plotted where they all were on a spreadsheet Aww. to keep track. <laughs> and then made clues and gave those to a close friend, Joe. That's lovely. So that Joe could give them a clue every day. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So it's just so caring, yeah. so thoughtful. And the effort that he's mm. gone to. Yeah. Just, yeah. 
Um, part of this planning, though, I think it was also like to probably distract himself from yeah. the fact that he was going to be away. And he said like he did have the nagging thought in his mind that, you know, what if he didn't make it home? So oh, I don't think I could do something that I thought genuinely could kill me. No. I don't know. Not... Uh, I don't know. It's so hard to say because when you want to do something and it's something that matters to you, it's always yeah. <laughs> harder to. Like, it's easy to say, "Oh, I'd never do that," when it's somebody else's thing that yeah. you're not into. Um, but yeah, regardless of how prepared Brian was, I guess you can't really ignore just how dangerous something like this is. No, um, he couldn't block out the awful accidents that have happened on Everest in the past. Uh, so the last thing and the hardest thing that Brian did was take his laptop and sit by himself to record a goodbye message. Oh my gosh, no. Yeah. Um, apparently he cried his eyes out through several takes um, before just, like, accepting that the tears were going to just have to be in it. Yeah. Um, which, at least it's showing that he has that emotion exactly. in it, I guess. No, I'd uh, rather that than a stoic yeah. message, I think. Yeah, true. So I'd just be like, why aren't you upset, damn it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the in the video, he told them how much he loved them. Oh, he apologised to Emily in case he wasn't there for oh her wedding day. God. Yeah. Um, he told Jordan how proud of him he always would be. No. Oh, this is making me so emotional. <laughs> oh. And then finished by telling them that they were all his world. Oh, um, then could he, not. No. And then he hid the file on Joanna's computer and then gave Joe, uh, the guy in charge of the gift clues, like, where that file could be found. Uh, the No, the responsibility of that and just knowing that it's sitting there. While yeah. you're giving them happy clues, just, mm-hmm. no. I know, just thinking, like, shit, what if I have to tell them about this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't want to mess up and accidentally give them that clue. No, God, no. <laughs> just open that, like, shit. wait, what? <laughs> Um, yeah, the day before the trip began, Brian and Joanna went on like a family day out to oh. see, <laughs> you'd like this, to see a Star Wars exhibit. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was at the Seattle Pacific Science Center. Um, afterwards, Brian took like sole charge of the bedtime routine that night. Yeah. Which is just, That's oh. Not, yeah. Like he tucked Emily in first and apparently she began to cry. Oh, God, Which no. that then started him crying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He said they just hugged and cried for about oh. a quarter of an hour. I like that he's not, as well, trying to tell her that she shouldn't be. And yeah. that, don't be crying, everything's fine, let me just put you to bed. But yeah. he's actually sort of validating her emotions mm. and letting her express them. Definitely, and being there for, like, as long as, as she kind of needs. Takes. Yeah. yeah. Which, uh, I guess it's kind of stereotypical, but, like, for somebody who's been in the military, mm. again, like, you don't expect always that much connection to the yeah. emotions that he shows he seems so emotionally intelligent yeah um but yeah he composed himself after about 15 minutes and told her that he loved her and would be home soon Aww. but then leaving her room he cried again by himself yeah i can imagine <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then managed to sort of compose himself again to go and uh, tuck jordan in this time so they talked about the trip and Brian's itinerary again. Yeah. And he said just he could see that Jordan was trying so hard to be brave. So he, like, hugged him and said that it was okay to cry. And then, oh, my God, it's getting me. <laughs> the little boy just completely broke down. Yeah. 
which I love. Yeah, and Brian said he started to cry again. I love that he's not just like boys don't cry. Yeah, he's just like that's the no, thing. We also cry if we yeah. want to. That's thing he said that like it was good that Jordan was able to see it wasn't just him yeah. who was crying. Like, oh, I think that's just such a good message from, like, a dad to, like, a son. We need more of that in the world. (laughs) It'd be a little bit better of a place if, like, boys were taught that all their emotions are healthy, not just anger. Um, So, yeah, I think that's, again, just, oh, he's such a good person. Yes. (laughs) After a while, Brian also told Jordan that he loved him and that he had to go. And tucking the kids in, Brian says, was the time he came inches away from just packing the whole trip in yeah um because he didn't want to cause them pain but he said he also wanted to show the importance of like following through with plans yeah and doing what yeah doing what you set out to do even if it's not easy yeah, yeah. which i guess that's the hard thing of being a parent yeah you have to do <laughs> so much that is Sucks. hard for yourself yeah. and you don't want to do to yeah yeah but oh but yeah um a friend then came and babysat whilst joanna drove brian to the airport um so his flight was due to depart around like 1am oh, so he must have been like that no <laughs> must have been so tired. um so their goodbye was incredibly hard um joanna lost her dad suddenly when she was 20 oh. he said that meant she was really scared of being left by loved ones yeah which i'm not surprised no. but yeah, she had dealt with the separations before when Brian was deployed. Yeah. Um, and Brian got out of the car and, yeah, finally was able to say he needed to go and went to check I in. Imagine. No. No. But he said, like, when he was standing in the check in line, he turned around and just saw Joanna barreling into the airport. Aww. And it was proper, like, rom. Rom com. Yeah, yeah, like, he said they just ran to each other for one last hug. Like,. Aww. Which is just so, so sweet. sweet. So romantic. <laughs> um, and Joanna asked Brian to please hurry back. And he Aww. promised her he would. And then after that, they had to part for real. With two months and tens of thousands of feet of icy, snowy rock face. And a near deadly accident oh that would God. test Brian's training lay ahead. Oh, yeah. I'm just really gutted that we haven't been able to obviously record part two. I know. Because of the bloody phone breaking. Yup. It's just fucking sod's law that it ended on this cliffhanger yes. and you've been waiting. And now we've got it again. Yeah. Oh, oh. well, yeah. But yeah, that was part one of, uh, yeah, Brian Dickinson and descending hope, Everest blind. I'm sure everyone thinks it has been well worth the wait. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. So, we will see you yeah, next week for part next two. Week. Find out sort of how sort of summiting Everest goes. Yeah, and um, how it takes a turn for the worse, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly gets interesting. Um, <laughs> All right. Cool. We'll catch you then, then. Yep. Bye. Catch you then, then. I know. Shit ending. Bye. Bye. Bye.